Okay, we're going to begin. Um, this is a story from uh, 2003. It's from It's a Rum Life, Book 4, Volume 2, Northcote, 1994-2008. to 2008. It's called The A34 Accident. This story must be from about 2003. Ruth had retired from work and we were using her car, the redoubtable Passat Estate, for our annual holiday in France. In fact, we were on our way home and had stayed the night with family friends Bob and Kay in Fairham, Hampshire, not far from the ferry port. Time-wise, it would have been late morning we probably had been on the road only 40 minutes or so and proceeding up the dual carriageway A34. In fact, we had not long joined the A34, which would take us to Oxford, where we could continue on the A43 to Northampton and eventually to our Lincolnshire home. The road was busy with a large proportion of HGVs. One in particular about 500 yards ahead, suddenly swerved violently and at the same time his tyres smoked. Smoked so much I could see it clearly five or six vehicles ahead. We consequently dropped our speed and were on the lookout for some sort of incident. Just approaching the A30 flyover, immediately before Sutton Scotney services, we saw the problem and stopped immediately on the hard shoulder. A small 7.5 tonne box van had impacted with the central crash barrier and stopped hard against it. Smoke and steam were rising around. It must, it had just that minute happened and that was what the HGV driver had reacted to. He must have thought it was coming straight at him but it was stopped by the crash barrier. Ruth was out and across the road like lightning. I caught the eye of the first HGV driver that passed us slowly and signalled, could he call for help? He signalled back that he had a phone and he would do so. I went across to help Ruth, who by now was in the cab with the driver, who was unconscious. There was only a little traffic coming from the north and I ran down the opposite carriageway looking for more injured. Along the road were bits of lorry. I passed a propeller shaft and various large bits from under the lorry. There was a driver's door and lots and lots of glass. Just under the flyover, sitting high up from the roadway, was another driver. He was OK, he signalled, but his JCB tractor excavator with back actor was upside down on the left-hand carriageway. The entire distance between the excavator and the lorry was strewn with debris. I was back at the lorry quickly and Ruth was trying to get the driver's attention. She was concerned for his breathing, which was almost non-existent. He was hanging in his seatbelt. That is what they're there for, and without it he would have been well and truly out of his seat and squashed under the remains of his lorry. There was no windscreen and I easily climbed onto the front bumper to give Ruth a hand. The driver was groaning and bleeding from multiple facial cuts and very, very pale in colour. Ruth explained she was trying to get his attention 
even his subconscious to try and get him to react to life and living. He did not have any visible major injuries and was not trapped. She did not want him to fade away before help arrived. Within what seemed a very short time, help did arrive in the form of a lady doctor who had her car on the A30 just above us. Then an ambulance pulled up on the northbound carriageway and then the police. I told them about the JCB and its driver and we left to get out of their way. Stopping briefly at the services to clean up before continuing our journey. Nobody asked our details so we heard nothing further and often wondered if the driver recovered. It was only then that Ruth remembered that she had just realised she got to the driver without opening any door. There was no door. No windscreen either. The impact with that digger must have been enormous. The lorry was in most respects a write-off. It looked very much as if he had closed his eyes for a moment and in that moment had hit the JCB and actually gone over part of it to do the underbody damage that was strewn everywhere. He was no doubt travelling at 60 mph or so and was very lucky to hit that central crash barrier and not turn over completely. As a footnote, over 30 years or so that we have been travelling in France, we have encountered one accident first-hand like this. In France, if you do not stop and offer assistance, then you can be prosecuted for not doing so. It is expected of you. Here in the UK, the situation with regard to ambulance chasing solicitors and the public expecting litigation against them for virtually anything is preventing this automatic action which can save lives. Ruth and I have always believed that to help other people in need is the most important thing one can do. She has been a nurse all her working life finishing as a district nursing sister and leader of a team of nurses. She was also a nurse practitioner before retiring. She is very experienced in many fields. In my teens, as a senior scout patrol leader, I was first aid trained to the highest level possible at that time. Using our experience and training is what it is there for, after all. That's the end of that little story. If you liked it, there is this other one. Try and find To France on Two Cylinders, a story from 1988, which includes a similar accident in France. There we are. That's the end of that story then. Brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. More stories to read on Keith Sanders is the storyman.wordpress.com. More free audio stories on this Buzzsprout site. Lots of free videos to watch on Keith Sanders, the short story man on YouTube. All our stories are compiled into books and you can see them on our little shop. The books are inexpensive to buy and you can download them on the internet, various different forms. Have a look at richardkeithsanders.sells.com Thank you for listening.